Hi. Hi, good evening. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing well. Good. So I told Joseph I was a little upset with him because we've, you and I have never actually met or spoke before, and he's just sort of leaving me to, to do this podcast with you. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I know it's a, a bit of an unusual situation, but um, I'm looking forward to it, though. Um, it sounds like the podcast has been going really well for you guys so far. It has. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm, I have just gotten over a cold, and I still have some lingering stuff going on, so I may have to mute myself and clear my throat on occasion here. That's completely cool. And take a swig of water. <clears throat> um, now, from what Joseph has told me, you're going to have much more talk show and radio experience than either of us, so I'm a little intimidated. No, no, please, don't be intimidated at all. Um, I work at a radio station, um, managing a little station over here in Griffin, Georgia, uh-huh. and do some stuff with that, and I've been doing the podcast for a while, but I'm, I'm you know hardly an expert at this so okay yeah i i did get to listen to a couple of your uh episodes in preparation um of your uh sights and sounds of cinema i downloaded a couple of those and listened to those so uh and i also just discovered joseph just told me today and i watched a little earlier that you had been interviewed on movieology and i have not seen all the stuff for movieology so i had not seen that okay so Uh, there's a couple of things I want to ask you about from that interview. Okay. Okay, that should be interesting. Um, that was a fun experience. I, I was sort of sad that it got shut down as quickly as it did. But, uh, yeah, yeah, me too, but I'm I'm glad that it could kind of come back as uh, Movie Bite, so. Yeah. Okay, so um, Joseph was telling me that the format you were wanting to go with was something along the lines of talking for a little while about um, film music and and such, and then talking about Argo um, in the second half of the show. But um, Yeah, actually, the second half of the show, the show will actually be split into three sections, which will be, I'll talk to you a little bit, and, uh, y- you know, we'll talk a little bit about your sights and sounds of cinema and your, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, the, that you really like, um, film scores. <clears throat> And so that'll be the first part of the show. And then the second part, I actually was planning on talking about Taken 2 and Argo. Have you seen okay. Taken 2? I have not had it. I wanted to when Joseph told me you were planning to do it, but I didn't get a chance. Um, I, I've seen the first Taken, but, okay. so I can you know, speak about that a little bit. But uh, no, I haven't seen Taken 2 yet. Okay. Uh, well, I'll probably just uh, mention it mostly, uh, not not spend a lot of time on it then. Um you know, it's it's not as good a film as the first Taken, but uh, you know, I, I enjoyed it well enough. But it's not anything like Argo was. Okay. So, um, so yeah, we'll we'll spend a lot more time with Argo then. <clears throat> uh, let's see. Is there anything else uh, we should discuss before we get started? Um, are are there any any ground rules or anything for for the podcast? Uh, just so I know before we head into it. Um, no cursing and swearing. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's about it. We do have, we, uh, we certainly have the clean tag set on our podcast and iTunes. So, yeah, no, uh, I, I have that policy on my show too. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, that's the only ground rule I can really think of. I mean, we, uh, you know, Joseph, I think likes to keep it a little more, uh, organized than I do. And I, I have an outline here, uh, mm-hmm. but I don't, I'm not afraid to deviate from it should the discussion okay. go there. <laughs> so, um, 
one of the questions I will be asking you, really the only the only question other than what I might think of as we go is I, I noted that you said in your email that you really liked John Williams or that he was a great influence or something in your life. And mm-hmm. I'm not such a huge fan. Uh, I love film scores, but I don't like his work. So I'll probably be asking okay. you about that. <laughs> that, should be, that should be fun. Yeah. Okay. And I'll, I'll get into in the podcast once we start why I am not such a huge fan. Okay, and is the, uh, the is the audio quality on this end okay as far as you can hear? Can you yeah, hear you sound right? great. I, okay. I could totally use this if for some reason we can't get the audio that you're recording on your side. Okay, well, I am I am recording it, so uh, I will get that to you, and yeah. hopefully it'll sound good. But uh, yeah, it, like I say, it's my first time using this program that Joseph sent me a link to, actually. So yeah, he he we always have him compress his audio just for the sake of the quicker upload, and because the first time he actually sent me his raw. Uh, AIF file, uh, mm-hmm. which is equivalent to a wave if you're in the Windows right. world, and um, it was so huge it like took uh, several hours to upload and another <laughs> couple hours for me to download. And uh, wow. so what we had him do next time was compress to AAC, which is somewhat like MP3 and uh, high quality settings, and that was just fine for. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, you might notice degradation if it was music or something, right. but uh, for talking, it was just fine. And so that's what we've been doing. Well, this one records uh, directly as an MP3, so hopefully, if that'll be okay, yeah, that, sh- uh, that just... should be totally fine. It okay. will, you know, it will certainly be improved over the. I mean, you sound great, but there's only so much you can do with a live audio stream, so <clears throat> yeah, it will be improved over that for sure. Okay, great. All right, well, I'm going to go ahead and uh, kick off the show then. Okay. All right, let me drop a marker, and here we go. All right, I think that's a show. Okay. Well, great. How did you feel about that? Were you happy? Yeah, I, I, I was. I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I loved. Uh, I loved picking your brain about uh, some of the music stuff. Joseph said that he wanted me to make sure I did an after dark with you, which that's what we call it when the show's over. We actually have hidden on the site. Uh, if you go to moviebyte dot com slash after dark, uh, Joseph and I will post. Things that are that might be completely off topic, but that we talk about after the podcast and stuff. Okay. So. <laughs> Um, I don't know what he wanted us to talk about. Uh, you, I'll, I'll re-hit the, uh, stop the record button, so I'll hit that again. Oh, okay, sure. Okay, got it. Um, so you, uh, you seem to dive into, um, soundtrack a lot more than I do, uh, certainly, <laughs> and I appreciate that a lot. I've just, uh... You know, I've got stuff like, uh, I have the Hunger Games soundtrack, I have the Matrix soundtrack, I'm a big fan of the Matrix. Um, Sherlock Holmes, I'm not... Yeah, it's okay. I'm not that thrilled yeah. with it. It works well for the movie. It's not a soundtrack I like to listen to on its own. It's a little tough to listen to on album, partially because it repeats that, especially the first Sherlock Holmes score, uh, repeats that same theme over and over and over again. And it, it, like I said, it works uh, well in the movie. Yeah. But just not, not one of those scores that I like to listen to. Now, yeah. oh, another score I didn't mention in the pod, in the podcast proper, uh, Snow White and the Huntsman by James, that was James Newton Howard, right? James yes. Newton Howard, yeah. Great, Good. great, great score. Yeah, really liked that one. Yeah. Um, so some very interesting stuff. Surprisingly decent movie, too. Yeah, it was a great uh, movie. Wasn't expecting much from that one, but really enjoyed it. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I, I figured uh, when I saw the trailers and started looking at it, I figured it would be either a really good or a really bad movie. And I, you know, I think it's a really good movie. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I've gotten, I guess I could say, I, I've gotten a little burnt out on this um 
whole notion of we're going to do a fairy tale, but we're going to do it really dark and gritty this time. Oh, In fact, okay. I, I got a little weary of um, we're going to do this fantastical thing that you all love, but we're really going to do it dark and gritty. In general, just because that seems to be the trend these days, we're going to take James Bond and we're going to make him dark and gritty. We'll take the Transformers toys and we'll make them dark and gritty. <laughs> yeah. You know, we'll take these superheroes from these, you know, goofy superhero comics and we'll make them really dark and gritty, you know. And so, I don't know, there's not enough joy to me in a lot of, uh, you know, I think that may be why things. I enjoyed the Avengers so much. I don't know how yeah. you feel about the Avengers. But I, I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And I'm, I've been a big fan of Joss Whedon's for a while. Uh, and I feel like he's been very undervalued. <laughs> and, uh, you know, yeah. canceling Firefly was the worst travesty ever uh, foisted upon humankind. <laughs> um, it's it's got to be right up there. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I think maybe one of the reasons I enjoyed The Avengers so much is while it had serious moments, for sure, it, it had a lot of fun with itself, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, they, You know, Joss Whedon, classic Joss Whedon humor sprinkled all throughout there, so that was a lot of fun. It- and I have to say, I, I found that and um, Dark Knight Rises to be an interesting sort of compare and contrast situation. Really liked both movies. Exactly, but, yeah. Uh, taking such different approaches to uh, the superhero idea. Yeah, and, and I have um, to say that the Avengers kind of, for me, edges out the Dark Knight Rises a little bit. Yeah, um, that's probably true for me, too. I was a little disappointed in the Dark Knight Rises in me some too. regards, even though I really liked it. Um <sighs> I, I guess that after The Dark Knight, I sort of thought that that series was going to be a little more ambitious than it ultimately turned out to be. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I, I, I just felt like that Dark Knight Rises, it just didn't live up to the previous two films. Uh, yeah. You know, I, um, I I can't remember what ratings I gave the previous two films, but I think, I want to say I gave this one a three and a half. Mm-hmm. I, uh, it's easy enough to look here. Um all right, so, yeah, okay, oh, well, I guess, uh, okay, The Dark Knight Rises, I gave four. Okay. okay. I gave four stars. Well, and I do think it's a very good movie, but I felt like Batman Begins, first of all, was the best superhero origin story I've seen. Absolutely. Um, tremendously well done, great movie. The Dark Knight, I thought, brought it to another level entirely and really tackled some surprisingly deep issues, had that incredible performance from Heath Ledger. Yes, uh, yeah. And really was the movie, to me, it's like, okay, superhero movies are um, evolving to that next stage where they're going to be about something more. This is the one that starts the new trend that really breaks new ground here. And after that, I was really, really looking forward to seeing what The Dark Knight Rises would do to just sort of top all of this. And... I don't know. It was. It was. I, I guess the thing that disappointed me is that it was just a superhero movie. It was a good one. It was a well-crafted one. It had some great performances, but it wasn't anything more than that. That's that's right. What it was. Yeah, it just didn't live up. Um, yeah. and, and so it sounds like you're one of those people though that likes The Dark Knight Rises better than Batman Begins. No, no, I wouldn't say that's true. Oh, okay. I, I, I would say Batman Begins is is a better movie than Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, and just by, uh, only by, by a lot. little, just not a by little, a lot, right? But yeah, and I think the reason for that for me is because the Dark Knight Rises is pretty heavy. You can't watch it all that often. Or Batman Begins, it's it's it can be dark and heavy, but you can watch it more often. <laughs> well, and I think Batman Begins and the Dark Knight are both. Um, movies which work really well as self-contained experiences. Um, you can pop those in at any time and enjoy them for what they are. 
the Dark Knight Rises alternately is so tied to the two movies which have preceded it, it's difficult to just watch on its own yeah. without having uh, sort of the, the knowledge or strong memory of those other two movies with you. Yep. Yeah, I agree. It just... Uh you know, I, and part of it, too, I think maybe just because our expectations have been set so high. I mean, Christopher right. Nolan obviously is uh, a rare filmmaker, a rare gem uh, among mm-hmm. filmmakers these days. And he, But not everything he does can be as good as everything else he does. So This uh, is true. And, I mean, uh, to his credit, um, I've seen all of his movies. I haven't disliked any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're all ambitious works to some degree. Uh but yeah, Dark Knight Rises. I think a lot of people thought would be one of the best movies of the year, without question. And then when it wasn't quite that, um, it was inevitable there would be some disappointment. There were there were a lot of expectations on it, though. So maybe it'll hold up a little better a few years from now when we go back to it without uh, those huge expectations and uh, see it for what it is. Yeah, it's. I found an interesting thing that I'm going to have to keep an eye on for myself, and that is when I expect a movie to be bad, oftentimes I enjoy it more than I even thought, more than I would a film that I was looking forward to sometimes. Right. So maybe it's the power of my low expectations that raise it up. <laughs> so that, i got to watch can, myself. That can definitely happen. Um, and I have to say... I, I feel like, as a critic, and maybe you experience this too, when I go into a movie, I have to be a little bit cautious about um, sort of judging the movie based on what I've seen or what I've read before I see it and uh, planting too firm a vision in my mind of, oh, this is what this movie is and uh, this is probably what my review is going to be after I see it. You know, to keep a completely open mind uh, as if I haven't seen anything on it. And also to, you know, um, actively look for... um, the things that are positive about it. I, I, I always, even though I've written a lot of negative reviews, I always want any movie I watch to be good. Uh, you know, I'm always hoping that there's going to be something there that will uh, impress or surprise me, even if it looks like it'll be something terrible. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, and I, you know, what I try to do with my reviews, and I, I, I've never called myself a critic before. I don't know if I'm a film critic, but I, I enjoy films, and that's the approach I'm taking there with Movie go. Bite. Uh, I, I, uh, I try to be really honest, is, is where I come from. Like, if mm-hmm. I, I, and, and I also try to be true to, to me, and I, I, I try to let people know that, like, this is my opinion. This is how, this is where, how I feel about the film. And it, and if I feel like there's merits to a film, that others might enjoy that I didn't particularly. I try to mention that as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think you do have to be true to yourself as a writer um, because there are a few critics out there, and I'm not going to name names or anything, but I have read a few critics who seem to write as if they're trying to gauge what the general public is going to think about a movie. Yeah. Uh, when in fact, a review, I, I think, should be. A personal response to a movie. You're one person, and it's going to affect everybody a, a different way. So tell us, you know, how it affected you, and uh, hopefully, by reading your review and the reviews of others, people may begin to see general patterns emerging. Of uh, okay, well, you know, several people felt this way about this movie, so odds are pretty high that I might feel that way too. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I. Here, I've, I've run across this because here's here's what I do often. I, I will have 
I, I tend to either really like or really dislike films. There's, I don't know, that's just, maybe that's a weakness of mine. And so I try, I try to balance myself out a little bit. But one thing that I do when I really like a film is I will Google for other reviews to try to find out, okay, what do, what do people who have negative reviews, what do they say? And I, I really have found though, when I do that, and, and it works the opposite way too, I try to find people who really like the film if I hate it. And, and what, what I find when I do that and I come across these reviews is a lot of that, uh, crowd pleasing reviews like i'm going to take this position because this is the general consensus and you really even though they may try to hide it you really can tell it mm-hmm. yeah so yeah it does happen um it, film criticism is a very interesting thing and you mentioned really liking or really disliking movies i don't know if you've found this um writing the reviews you've written thus far but i've always felt that for me the hardest reviews to write are the ones where I don't really have strong feelings about a movie. It wasn't that good. It wasn't that bad. It was that's, just okay. That's actually true. Yeah, I, I do find that to be the case. Yeah, because when you really despise a movie or when you're really in love with a movie, it inspires you know passionate feelings about it, and the review just sort of pours out of you a little more easily. Oh, I really, really like this, or man, this really, really annoyed me. Um, but those ones that just sort of don't really have a big impact on you, uh, don't tend to inspire that kind of writing as easily. So. Yeah, um, I, I, I can see exactly how that would be the case, and I've only experienced it a little. I haven't written that many reviews yet. Uh, we, mm-hmm. We've really just started Movie Byte, and I've really only very recently, within the last two or three years, become interested in writing. Yeah. Uh, so I'm still working on my craft. But, um, yeah, I can I can definitely see how that would be the case. Like I recently reviewed The Matrix, uh, mm-hmm. and I, I I really love The Matrix. It's a great film. I give it I give it five stars. But I have no idea how I would even approach a review of the next two films because uh, the second film being the worst of them, in my opinion, and the third, you know, eh, so so, and 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 but I don't hate either of them, but I don't like them a lot, and so I have no idea what I would write about them. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it can be tough. Th- that, that's a complicated series to address, too. Uh, you know, the, the the two Matrix sequels, I know there tend to be uh, a pretty huge amount of people who feel very just violently negative towards those movies. And, oh, those sequels just ruin the series and everything. It's horrible. Nah, it's it's horrible. not that bad. I, I, I don't think it's that bad either. I, I, I enjoy them to some extent. Um, but... Kind of like the Dark Knight Rises in some way, they disappoint me a little because they make that world seem a little less ambitious than I initially thought it was. Oh yeah, well they they you know in many ways they kind of went off the rails as far as I'm concerned. It's like because yeah. the the first film introduced so many great concepts and just mind bending ideas uh, yeah. of of the the dream world of the Matrix, mm-hmm. and then they kind of went to business as usual with the next two films in some ways. Right. Uh, and, 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 and no, you probably are not going to be able to introduce new concepts and wow everybody quite as much because we've already let the cat out of the bag in a lot of ways. But you're telling me there was nothing you could do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know. Well, the first Matrix 2 was a movie that, um, sort of hinted at a lot of interesting philosophical ideas and inspired a lot of philosophical debates. And even on the, uh, on the DVD and Blu-ray, there's, uh, commentary audio commentary with philosophers discussing the philosophy of the movie sure uh, and so there's there's a lot of intriguing stuff there but the problem to me is that the sequels rather than continuing to do that actually spelled things out um 
a lot more blatantly in terms of what the philosophy of that world was. And I, I think any time you do that, you're automatically going to make it a bit less interesting when you're um, spelling everything out for the audience rather than giving them something to chew on. Yep, agreed. It, yeah, you're right. That's a really good point. I kind of take took these concepts and started beating us over the head with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the Matrix, I felt like it skirted these waters, or it, it I should say navigated these waters a lot more uh, deftly where the the second two films really move into territory where you're really going to start offending a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's 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 disappointing that the first Matrix is a tremendous piece of science fiction. Yes. And uh all of the elements uh work together so smoothly, the action and the philosophy and uh so many different ideas jammed into that thing, but they all just kind of flow together rather beautifully. Yes. And then in the uh the sequels, it's a lot more clunky. It's like, okay, here we're going to stop and we're going to do the philosophy part and here we're going to do the character building part. <laughs> yes. And here we're going to do the action part and these they just sort of seem jammed in there very uncomfortably. Yeah, you you can tell the Wachowskis really had an idea that was really fleshed out with the first film and really well uh groomed and then it's just like they sort of, that was the story they had to tell. Now what? Oh, we better come up with something. <laughs> <laughs> so since we're talking about the Wachowskis, um, I have to ask you, have you seen anything on and uh, are you curious about Cloud Atlas? I'm curious about it because it is the Wachowskis. And even even despite the fact that uh, I'm sickened by uh, the, the uh, what what is the name of the one now, Lana, I think he goes by. Uh, I'm sickened by that whole thing and just you know, the sex change and all that stuff. But at the same time, I'm curious about Cloud Atlas, but I am expecting it to be a bad film. Hmm. That's where I'm standing right now. Just just knowing the direction they went with the Matrix trilogy, I'm not expecting Cloud Atlas to be good. And I will be pleasantly surprised if it is. How about Speed Racer? Is that one that uh, you liked, disliked? Didn't I haven't see? seen it. Okay. Uh- <laughs> I wouldn't even know whether to tell you to watch that one or not. I didn't really care for it, but a lot of people I know are, are really enthusiastic about it. Mm. Cloud Atlas, I'm, I'm very intrigued by because based on the trailer, it could be one of the biggest flops of the year or one of the greatest films of the year. But I certainly think that it's one of the most ambitious movies, regardless of whether it's good or bad. Um just the basic structure alone of uh, wandering back and through, forth through multiple timelines with all of the actors playing multiple characters. Um, <laughs> it, it, yeah. it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty huge undertaking. It's a pretty tall order, and and I'm um, I'm concerned about where that we might be headed philosophically with the film. Well, uh, it, it certainly seems as if it's going to dig into some. Um, shall we say, meaty philosophical stuff. Uh, I, I don't know what they'll be doing with it. Exactly. I'm, I'm just I, concerned about where it might be headed. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, some Hinduism and stuff in there I'm kind of detecting, perhaps, or elements of it. I don't know. Well, you know, in some ways, it's like, well, I'll reserve judgment, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, it's. I don't know if it's going to be good. <laughs> yeah. So. But then I know that, that at least I've gotten the impression that... Um, Movie Bite is uh, a podcast, and you as a reviewer are somebody who's more specifically um, attached to the idea of looking for movies that conform to a particular worldview. Not necessarily. 
Um, okay. Movieology was certainly more geared that way. Right. We are much more. I mean, here, here's the approach we take. Uh, Joseph and I are Christians, and so that's that. We're going to bring that viewpoint to the table, but we want Movie Bite to be very broad and and uh, accessible to everyone, Christians and non Christians alike. That that's kind of the approach we're taking. Um, and and if if Christianity comes up, no problem. So be it. Um, but if it doesn't, that's okay too. And not not that. Uh, not that Christ isn't a part of everything we do, but um, I think there's something for everyone here at Movie Bite. I, I would like to think. Okay, okay, because I, I, I've been. That's something that I was a little bit curious about is because I know Joseph was involved with movieology before, and that was a pretty. Uh, it, it was. Um, primarily focused on what is the world view of a movie what is this movie saying in relation to um yeah and- you know how how we feel as christians specifically and uh i wasn't sure how much of that carried over into this podcast or or what the sort of um theological and philosophical backbone of the show was yeah no this is this is more of the approach of we love films and we want to talk about them yeah that gotcha. that's really the pro- approach that we're taking. So, um, real quick before we before we wrap up the after dark, uh, before we before I let you go, um, you seemed uh, to be quite a bit more of a fan of Star Trek than Joseph. So, uh, <laughs> Joseph, yeah, he he kind of if if it were a video feed that I could see of him, I'm pretty sure he'd be giving me the side eye sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, I, I know Joseph has always been much more of a Star Wars guy anyway. That's yeah. That's where well, his enthusiasm I, lies. I love Star Wars, no doubt. Like, uh, real Star Wars and not the fake prequel stuff. <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, real quick, um, so we've already established Jerry, Go- which ones Jerry Goldsmith did and which ones James Horner did. Um, I'm curious to kn- to see if you know who scored Star Trek IV. Uh, I do. It was a composer named Leonard Rosenman. And how did you feel about his score? <laughs> it it was interesting. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's not bad. It's uh, completely different from uh, everything else in that series. Uh, it's one of my less favorite scores. Yeah, I, I, I have it, and I don't like it that much. Um, but Leonard Rosenman was. Um, Okay, here's the story on him. As a film composer, he liked to write very difficult, very challenging music and a lot of things. He would write these scores that were just filled with these very harsh atonal sounds, very few melodies, um, uh, a lot of very intellectual and uh, foreboding music that was pretty inaccessible. And then they asked him to score this Star Trek comedy uh, about saving these whales. Um, and the tone for that had to be much different. And so he wrote this very light, frothy score. Um, so, so basically that, that score is somebody whose natural instinct is to write dark, tormented music being asked to write an incredibly cheerful score. Yeah, it's and crazy. It, it, it feels a little forced. Well, and you know what's interesting uh, is um, as a Star Trek geek, I have read a lot of material, and I read uh, uh, Leonard Nimoy's book, I Am I Am Spock. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how Leonard Rosenman approached him with a few ideas at first that were much more in line with the Star Trek universe. And Leonard Nimoy said, no, man, that's not what I want. Go go back to the drawing board and bring me something that's not so Star Trek-y. And I'm like, <laughs> What? <laughs> what? 
So I would, I would, I would be. I wish I could hear what it was that he came up with originally, and I wonder uh, if I'd, I'd be like it better. Curious to hear that too. Uh, but I don't know. If I, I don't even think it's out there anywhere, though. To some extent, even if I would disagree with the choice, um, I, I guess I could sort of see where Nimoy is coming from, given that movie feels a, a lot different from any of the other Star Trek movies. Yeah, uh, and, and it does seem like he was trying to make a change of pace now. There are a lot of people who hold that one as one of their favorites. I'm not one of them. No, me either. I was going to say uh, it's very beloved, but I don't I don't feel like it's the best by any means. Yeah. I, I, mean, I think the, the honor of the best Star Trek film goes to The Wrath of Khan without without contest. Uh, hmm. <laughs> it's it, I, I would say a little contest for me between that and First Contact. Okay, okay. First Contact has a little contest. You're right. A li- but but no, I mean Wrath of Khan is generally accepted as the best of the best. And it, uh, you know, it, it's a great movie. It really is. Yep. Um, I really like the score for the sixth Star Trek. I was movie, about to actually. ask you about that, and yeah. you know who that is, Cliff Eidelman. Yes, um, talented guy who never really went anywhere, but um, I, I really enjoyed that score. And uh, another one that has a rather different sound. The main title is so uh, so foreboding and not the usual big booming major key Star Trek sort of main title. Yeah, definitely. It, in fact, the whole score didn't feel much like Star Trek, but it worked for the film. Yeah, because that is that is you know it's more of a thriller uh, than a lot of the Star Trek movies. Yeah, and and it's it's the second best of the original Star Trek films. I would agree with and, that. And and both those films, of course, directed by Nicholas Meyer. Mm-hmm. So uh, and uh, yeah, uh, I, I was really happy they got to do that sixth movie after the fifth one was such a mess, just because it's it's a really nice send off. I was yeah, cast. I'm surprised that they got to do it, but yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely what the what the franchise deserved after the horrible travesty of the fifth film. <laughs> the, uh, the, the fifth one, I will say, does does make me laugh though, just because it's so unintentionally bad. Because yes. I, I'm, amu- I'm amused by by William Shatner's ego with that <laughs> movie since he directed it. He's like, okay, I'm going to make this movie. I'm going to open it with me climbing a cliff with my bare hands. <laughs> yes, and then at the end of the movie, I'm going to fight God. Uh, and then I'm going. I'm going to win. <laughs> so, well, yeah. In the original uh, script, that was supposed to be God, and they talked right. them down to making it an alien masquerading as God. Right. And uh, even uh, Leonard Nimoy and um, uh, I'm sorry. Wow, this is really bad for a Star Trek geek, but I'm really tired. Uh, the guy who played Bones, DeForest Kelly. DeForest Kelly. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, they had to talk him down from things that he wanted their characters to do. Uh, and basically he was just trying to make it out so that Kirk was the only hero, you yeah. know? So yeah, th- that, there is no doubt that that film is bad because of William Shatner. <laughs> yeah. A, a lot of vanity involved in that one. And, um, one of the most spectacularly cheesy Star Trek moments, actually two of them in that movie, one, when they sit around the campfire singing, row, row, row your boat. Uh, and another, Towards the end of the movie, when uh, he has that big speech where they ask uh, where God exists, and he has that big dramatic pause, and he says, "Why, right here, in the human <laughs> right, heart." Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, points yeah, at himself horrible. and is, you know, stares mistily into the distance. And uh, I will say that the Shatner o- at his cheesiest there. Definitely, I will say I think the only thing that's that has any redeeming quality about that film that it got right was actually at at the beginning and at the end uh the campfire scenes the banter and the camaraderie between Kirk and Spock and McCoy or triangle is some of the best in Star Trek and like that's like mm-hmm. the only thing that you can say good about that film that's true that is true and uh finally uh last but uh well maybe it is least uh how do you feel about 
J.J. Abrams Star Trek? I like it. Um, mm. I don't think it's Star Trek. <laughs> Not as we've known it, for sure. No, um, it's it's fun. It's a fun movie. I think it borrows a lot more from um, from Star Wars, honestly, than it does from any of the earlier Star Trek stuff. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with the sequel. At the same time, I... I do miss the Star Trek that was really all about ideas. Um, the Star Trek that was about using this uh, sort of fantastical setting to really explore some challenging issues. And sometimes it could get a little heavy-handed in that regard and yeah. a little preachy. Yep. But, but uh, there's also, I think, some genuinely moving, thought-provoking episodes that tackle some uh, issues with... With great skill, and uh, I, I always liked that about Star Trek. I liked the sort of thinking man aspect of it. Yeah, I agree. And the J.J. Abrams series, fun as it is, I mean, it's a blast, really, um, has pretty much abandoned that element. Yeah, the the thinking has gone out of Star Trek, and I, I you know, I really wanted more Picard and 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 uh, uh, Jonathan Frakes. Wow, I really am tired. Wow, uh, Commander <laughs> Riker. 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 Yeah. I wanted more Picard and Riker and Data. I, I, I really like. I, you know, a lot of people really hated Nemesis, and Nemesis wasn't their best uh, work on the Next Generation movies, but it wasn't that bad. No, I, I think its biggest problem is that it, it basically tried to um, repeat Wrath of Khan to a large extent. Yeah, I guess that's true uh, to was, some extent. But, but I, I do wish that they had been given one more chance to. Um, to really take that series out on a high note. Well, um, and and frankly, I mean, none of the actors have died. There's still time. <laughs> that, that's that's true. But that's they're, true. They're still I, around, going to conventions everywhere. Yeah, but I I uh, can't see it ever happening at this point. No, I I I don't think it will. But um, to me, at least the um the two part finale of the Star Trek: The Next Generation series was a really nice uh, conclusion for those characters and their story. Oh, definitely. That was a great, great uh, send-off for the yeah. series, so, no doubt. So, so at least that exists. Yep. Yeah. Now, uh, how did you feel about Michael Giacchino's score for Star Trek? Really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I thought it was exceptional. Mm. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing where he takes things in the sequels, because he's intentionally said that right, yes, if yes. some of his themes feel a little a little half-developed, it's because the story's early and he's going to let them grow and expand. Exactly. Uh, well, he yeah, said, uh, in, in the interviews that I've heard, he said, um, you know, people have asked me, why don't we hear more Star Trek in the music? And it's because I felt like the crew had to earn it. And so I am definitely interested to see how much more Star Trek now makes it in there. Unfortunately, he really, he really went with the... As you would expect, I suppose, in the end credits, the original series music, which I never found that great. I would have been happy for him to incorporate more of the movie themes. Mm-hmm. Well, and of course, the um, the Jerry Goldsmith theme from Star Trek The Motion Picture wound up playing a pretty huge role, uh, eventually becoming the main theme for the Star Trek The Next Generation series, which right. to me would have been enough to say, okay, this is our new Star Trek theme that we're going with from here on out. I Yeah, but I think, unfortunately, that they, because it's so associated with Next Generation, they would not want to use that music for uh, for this, for the films now, is my yeah. take on that, probably. And that but. is understandable. Um, but, yeah, the, the approach that uh, Giacchino took with um, 
Star Trek actually reminded me a little bit of the approach that composer David Arnold took with uh, the James Bond movie Casino Royale a few years ago, mm. uh, where you don't hear any of that traditional James Bond theme played at any point during that movie until the end credits when he's finally fully become the James Bond that we know and, well, we may not love, but we know. Right. Um, and they, they you know... Uh, Turn that theme on full blast. I thought was a neat approach. Yep. But um, yeah, same thing. Yeah, there's there's definitely merit to that approach. I I I guess I can't say that. Uh, did you say Giacchino? Is that how you pronounce his name? I, mean, uh, I think so. That's okay. how I've heard it pronounced. Okay, I guess but, I've been pronouncing uh, it wrong. too. I mean, the, I've heard it pronounced a number of ways, but Giacchino most common. Okay. Well, in any event, I I can't say that his score of the new Star Trek film is my favorite. But you know what? I will. I, be I happy. certainly wouldn't say that. No. No, not at all. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying is I didn't like it that much. I will be happy, though, <laughs> if the next film, we can reduce the number of lens flares by half or more. Uh, by by 75% yes. would be okay with me. <laughs> a few lens flares are great, but you can't yeah. you can't make a film purely of lens flares. It, it, it got distracting after a while. Very because, much. I mean, there were some nice moments. I thought it worked like really well, for instance, in that really chaotic, tense opening sequence with Kirk's father. I thought some of the lens flares um, really played nicely in there. Yeah. But um man, they were everywhere throughout the entire movie and at a certain point you're like, okay, this it, it's enough. Yep, agreed. Hey, well I should let you go and I've got to get this thing edited and, and done tonight. So uh okay. should let you get the uh, files to me via SendSpace. Is that how you said you're going to do that? Uh, uh if that works for you, I will I will That's that's that fine. Way. As long as they get to me, it's cool. Okay. Cool. All right, and you'll be able to do that tonight. Uh, I should be able to. I'm going to see how easy it is to extract these files from this program, but I don't think it'll be any trouble. All right, great. Well, this was uh, this was loads of fun. Well, I enjoyed it too, and uh, hopefully we can do it again one of these days. All right, sounds okay. good. Thanks. Have a good one. All right, you too. Bye. Bye.